You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on Bachelor in Paradise and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 247. I am your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. We got two great interviews in today's podcast. First up, Susanna Summers. She is the creator of the Bachelor Data Instagram account, also Bachelor Data on TikTok. And then after her, former Olympic gold medal winning in the all-around in the 2004 Olympics for the U.S. women's gymnastics team, Carly Patterson joins us to talk about the Simone Biles story from this past Olympics, which pretty much dominated the headlines. You know what I'm talking about. We get an insider perspective of somebody who was actually a gold medal winning Olympic gymnast. So we'll get to that momentarily. A lot to get to. A lot. But none of it is going to be Bachelor related in terms of my open here because you know what I've had to say about Katie and Greg and the finale and all that. There's nothing more to add. You saw the, all the reader emails yesterday. It's like split down the middle, 50-50. People hate Katie. People hate Greg. It's just like, okay, we're done. We're moving on. However, as you know, the final four episodes of F-Boy Island have been released. They are on HBO Max right now. Some of you listening to this podcast maybe have stayed up late and watched all of them and have completed the season and have seen what went down. If you have not, I would suggest fast forwarding through this next through the open, because in this whole open, I'm going to talk about the final four episodes because I don't want to wait till next week. I feel it'll almost be, you know, old news, but I want to give my thoughts on the final four episodes of F boy Island. And I will say this right off the bat. I was one for three. I was wrong. So before I dive into it, just warning fast forward right now. If you don't want to hear what happens in the ending of F boy Island. So ready? Three, two, and one. So I was one for three. You asked me, which ones were you wrong on? I'll tell you this. I thought CJ was picking Casey. I thought he just got such the edit to where, you know, they allowed him to come back, which I'll get to in momentarily. And, you know, she had him sleep on the cot, but then she went down and then they did get to sleep together up in her room. And I was just like, they're going out of their way to show that Casey is just this reformed F boy. She's going to pick him. And I was totally wrong. I'm glad she picked Jared. Now, by the time this podcast comes out, I don't know if any of these three women are going to address where they're at with these guys, but um, I hope she's, I hope she's with Jared. I was, I was glad she picked him. I was wrong on Sarah. Not that I thought Sarah was going to pick Josh. I, I definitely thought she was picking Garrett. I thought they were going to be together. Um, as you could say, like Steve, have you watched Garrett all season? Are you shocked he picked the money? Um, no, he played her. He played me. <laughs> I, thought, I thought he was gonna. I thought he was gonna be a reformed F boy, and I thought that was his gonna be his thing because they made it so they. You saw the the edit for Garrett all season. It was so skewed to him being such an F-boy. I thought the redemption thing, whatever you want to call it, was going to be him at the end saying, you know what? Yeah, I was an F-boy when I came here, but 
I've seen my ways and I want to get with Sarah and I want to see what happens. And he totally played her. But again, I don't know if they've already addressed it. Um, probably too early in the morning for them to address it. But keep, you know, if you want to follow them um, on Instagram, I'm guaranteeing a lot of them will probably address now that the episodes are out where exactly they stand with their final guys. I don't know. And I was definitely the only one I got right uh, was Nakia. While I'd be shocked if her and OG Jared last very long, I knew she wasn't picking Fernando. That was just he just never got an edit enough all season to make you think she was going to pick him. So, yeah, I was one for three. Uh, a couple things. The one thing that I teased last week that I said I wasn't a huge fan of was the whole allowing Casey back. And the reason I say that is, like I said, I get why they did. She clearly was into him. I just didn't understand the point of why was he just allowed to just walk off the set and hitch a cab over to the villa and get back on the show. Clearly, that was allowed by production. But I'm sure other guys that were in the Limbro and the nice guys grotto, I'm sure they would have liked to come back and talk to Sarah or Nakia or CJ to state their case on something about themselves. Like, like, why did you just let Casey do that and then play it off like he really, quote unquote, escaped and hitched a ride back? Like, come on. It's just they let him do that. And I just thought that was I just thought that was stupid. I really thought it was dumb. I didn't like it. And then I was like, but I said last week. I need to see how the last few episodes play out because if they allowed other guys to come back, then I wouldn't have had much of a problem with it, but they didn't. Now I do. And I talk about this in my podcast with Susanna and I give people a chance to um, fast forward as well, because I don't know if they've seen it, but I really dug the tell all. And the reason why I dug the tell all in the start of episode nine, when all the guys that were sent away earlier in the season got to come back and confront Sarah, Nakia, and CJ, and their final two guys, is because what we're used to in Bachelor and Bachelorette world is the Bachelor and Bachelorette holding a tell-all after the show has already been filmed, after they've already made their choice, and it's like, okay, what is this really? Why do we have? We don't necess- We don't have to have a tell-all on that show, and they build it up for drama. We all know it's three months later, and are these people really that bothered? by something that happened months ago? Probably not, but they're given alcohol and they're told to play things up for the camera. Those guys being able to confront CJ, Nakia, and Sarah, I thought was really cool. And they obviously didn't hold back whatsoever. And so those women got to hear in real time what the other guys thought of their men. You just don't get that on the Bachelorette. Katie didn't get to hear what, you know, yeah, you get, you get your Carls out there who want to tell Katie that this guy's a jerk and Thomas is shady or, or whatever. But those guys spilled a lot more. And I just think it would, the the format, the way they did it and the way that Nikki was able to conduct a quote unquote tell all while they were still filming the show. I thought that was really, I, 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 that kind of offset the whole Casey was allowed to come back bullshit. So I was fine with that. And you know, I did think it was interesting. And look, I don't I can't tell you if this show is scripted or not. But when you really think about it, I liked the ending and we'll get to the twist in a moment. But um, the ending produced the three different results that you could get from this show. Picking an F boy. Um, which Nakia did. She picked OG Jared. Uh, yeah, Nikia did. She picked OG Jared. Picking a good, a nice guy, 
which is what CJ did, and picking an F-boy and him taking the money. So they got the three results that anybody would have wanted. I guess the four, the, the only possible results you could have gotten. I guess the fourth result that didn't happen because they only had three couples was you could pick a nice guy and he dumps you. I guess that's possible, but that would kind of defeat the purpose of the show. Why would a nice guy choose to take the money? That really wouldn't make him a nice guy. That would prove that he was lying to the show and he was really an F-boy all along. So um, not saying that it was scripted out, but when you think about it, it's reality TV. It's the first season of the show. They got the perfect ending because they got the three different endings. If all three pick nice guys... Would you have been really impressed with the ending? Probably not. If all three picked F-Boys, would you have been, and all the F-Boys were reformed, would you have been happy with that? Mm, probably not. We got some drama, and Garrett, oh, Garrett. Um, yeah, so I thought that was really interesting. I really liked the ending of that show. And then in terms of the money situation, basically, as we know, you know, former Bachelor producer Alon Gale is the executive producer of this show, and essentially, once they made the rule that if you pick an F-boy, the money now goes to him and he determines whether or not you stay, if he wants to split it or share it, that's essentially it turned into Bachelor Pad finale when they did that. Because that's ex- exactly what you had to do as a bachelor pad, bachelor pad couple. One person chooses keep, and the other person chooses keep. The money went to the rest of the crew. One person chose, if you both chose share, you split the $250,000. And in the case of Nick Peterson and Rebecca Trueheart, Nick chose keep, she chose share, and Nick got to keep the whole 250 which is essentially what Garrett did. Like, okay, now it's in my hands. It's my decision what to do. And he chose to take the money, and then they took that away from him, and now the money's going to Sarah's charity. So, um It'll be interesting to see. Uh, like I said, maybe they've already addressed this on their Instagram accounts. Maybe interviews are going to be coming out today, updating us on their status with their guys. Like I said, I'd be shocked if Nakia was still with OG Jared or lasted or are still together. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they're already broken up. I just don't see it. I'm kind of rooting for CJ and new Jared. I'm, I'm kind of into them. Probably because I thought she was picking Casey. And now I'm... Like, okay, now I, I just don't think I could have I would have cared if she chose Casey and would have probably cheered for a breakup. But the fact that she chose Jared, I'm like, okay, cool. By the way, new Jared, interesting story. He was playing football in Wuhan, China in December of twenty nineteen. He was the one of the first people back to the United States that had to quarantine. Go look it up. His name's Jared Evans, played quarterback at the University of Cincinnati. But he was playing football in China in December of twenty nineteen when you know, COVID happened and he eventually got back to the States in January and he had to quarantine for like seven weeks or something crazy like that. He was one of the first people that they thought might've had this novel coronavirus that came over from China. Um, he's like, yeah, I played my games five to 10 minutes from where the epicenter apparently was in China. So crazy story, but I'm glad they're together. Hopefully still the Sarah and Garrett thing. I mean, I don't, I want to, I I so want to talk to both of them. I really want to hear from both of them because I know a lot of you have questions like, why would you even, Sarah, how could you pick that guy? And I know she's already kind of hinted at things on Instagram, kind of defending him. So it makes me think that she would be open or maybe he is open to seeing her post show just because 
she has said some things on Instagram that have been like, there's so much you don't see. And the reason I, I think she even says, not that she didn't say the reason I picked him, but um, she just said, there's a lot of things you don't see. And um, so it makes me think that she uh, would be not, would not be totally against if he was interested in maybe seeing her post show. I don't know, but I would love to talk to them and I'm going to, I'm going to try uh, and reach out and see if we can, if we can get them on the podcast. And I'd like to have them. Um, I'd like to have them both on, to be honest with you, because I got questions for Jarrett, uh, Garrett of why he just did and said the things that he did. Was he, was he playing a character? Was he hamming it up for the cameras? Is this how he really is? Does he really say bro in every sentence? I, I gotta know because I've got questions and, um, you know, and the decision, like you, you chose to, you, you lied to her on your final date with her. You literally told her you wanted to date her post show. And then she chooses you and you said, yeah, I don't see this working outside the show. So you flat out lied. So it's like, why, why did you say that to her on the final date? A lot of questions. So hopefully you watch the final four episodes and uh, let me know what you think. I hope you liked it. I told you it was going to be good. The twist was good. And um, I thought the tell all was really good as well because those guys held nothing back and really shit talked the three F boys, Casey Garrett and OG Jared. So without any further ado, it's going to be a long podcast today, but I hope you listen to both of them because these are two really, really interesting and informative interviews. First up bachelor data on Instagram is Susanna Summers. And then Carly Patterson, former Olympic gymnast uh, for the U.S. women's national team. So first up, here we go. Podcast number 247 with Susanna Summers. Okay, let's bring her in. Been a while since we've had her on. It's been about eight or nine months. December of uh, 2020 is when we first had her on. Her name is Susanna Summers. She is the creator of the Bachelor Data account on Instagram. Susanna, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me back. By the way, since our last talk, I have been, and I'm almost positive when people hear the interview with Carly Patterson coming up after you, I I think I said, like I've literally been going back and forth in my head and the way I speak, I still don't know if I say data or data. And I think I say both. <laughs> and there's no reason why one comes out of my mouth one time and one comes out of my mouth the other time. I don't, I'm. it's bothering me. <laughs> So I'm probably going to say it differently during the course of this podcast, and I don't know why. What is it? Is it data or data? I say data, and I think I think we need somebody to take the data during this podcast to figure out how many ways we say it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it data, and I'm going to say it data at some point during this podcast, and I won't even recognize it. Well, maybe now I will because I'm, <laughs> I've brought it up. But um, I, I had a question about uh, – this is probably before your time, but I know that you have got to have heard it at some point in your life that your name is – Susanna Summers, which is very close to Suzanne Summers. Did you ever get that uh, growing up? Oh God, all the time. But luckily, I watched Nick at Night as a kid. <laughs> I'm so I just I literally turned thirty one yesterday. So oh, happy birthday! Um, thanks. Yeah, no, I was the Nick at Night era, and uh, I watched Suzanne Summers on Three's Company quite a bit. But every I swear, every teacher growing up was like, oh, just like the actress. <laughs> and you're like, no, I'm Susanna, and I think that she's two M's, right? I think she's. <laughs> Or she might even be Summers as yes. in the season, right? She's SU. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and my name's actually so I'm Brazilian, so my name's Susana. 
So, but nobody said that. So I just say Susanna. Oh, great! <laughs> now, now you're gonna now I'm gonna be crucified on Susanna versus Susanna and bat and data versus data. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> um, <laughs> so let's let's get going here. Um, I mentioned I brought you on in December of 2020. And your site has really blown up since we first had you on because I believe you were a little under 10,000 followers back then when I had you on. And now you're over 60,000. ton of other accounts are, are using your data and you're being quoted <laughs> in articles. I mean, it's great stuff. So congrats on all your success that I will take complete credit for because I was the first one to put you on. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah, I think, I think the, the day your podcast came out was the day that I hit – 10,000 followers. And I remember that because I got the swipe up link, which was really exciting to not have to tell people to go to the link in my bio. <laughs> oh, wait, that that's what it is. You have to hit 10,000 before you can add a swipe up link. Yeah. So oh, until you hit the coveted 10,000 followers, anytime that you want to share a link to something, you have to replace the link in your bio. And then as soon as you hit 10,000, but it's like on a one or two hour delay, then you get that button to add the swipe up link. Oh, okay. Didn't know that. All right. Um, well, I think it's interesting because, like, I'm, I'm, I'm totally kidding. I, your, your, the reason your site has blown up and because you're over sixty thousand followers now is because of the content that you put out there. And, um, but yeah, I do like to, you know, little pat on the back for, for, for introducing <laughs> you to people publicly because it really ha I mean, it really has taken off, and the stuff that you put out there has obviously grown as well. So, um. People can go to Bachelor Data and, and see what you're doing, but a lot of it has um, grown this season. And now you're talking about you, you're offering services to people now. You have a Patreon account. Um, tell people what the Patreon account gives people. And then also go into this. You're now teaching classes on this. This is fascinating to me. So, kind of explain to everybody who maybe just looks at your site and, and likes the data. And but now you're doing more. Yeah. So a little bit of a backstory on me. I started collecting all this data on The Bachelor. So Instagram follower accounts, screen time, et cetera. I started collecting it. It was uh, two weeks before Colton's season started airing. So it was December 2018 and his his season started airing January 2019. Um, I started collecting it because I had just been promoted to be technology director for a school district. And I used to be an elementary teacher. And I thought, you know, like, it, it's time, like, I'm six months into this job, and I still don't know how to use spreadsheets. And people are coming at me just expecting that they that I know how to use it. And I have to work with a ton of data around students. So um, I just decided to, you know, my first few months in this job, I started to try to watch YouTube videos, but they were so boring. Like, Every YouTube video on Excel is just like a monotoned guy talking about finance. And it was so boring, so unrelatable. So I was like, you know what? Like I browse Reddit. People talk about Instagram follower counts. Like, why don't I just start tracking their Instagram follower counts for this season? And then I can play with the data and learn how to use Excel through that. So um, fast forward uh, in February of 2020, I decided to start an Instagram account because it had been so popular on Reddit. I decided to start pushing myself a little bit more in like data visualization. So like really showing beautiful charts that tell stories. And um, I didn't get to do much with it until Clarentatia season. But um, this whole project has been 
really just a way for me to learn how to use Excel. So um, I've been trying to find some ways to monetize it because the project keeps growing in terms of what we're trying to do with this data that I was able to bring somebody on. So I started a Patreon where we do extra coverage on anything Bachelor data related. So we're going to start doing uh, weekly video recaps now for Bachelor in Paradise. And uh, we do like an, a lot of in-depth analysis there. And uh, last month, we decided to launch a course to teach people how to use Excel the same way that we did. So through the Bachelor. So tell people about the course. How much is it? How long does it take? What are they going to learn in this? So it's closed right now. So you can't enroll. We, we had it open for, I think it was three weeks. Um, and it's going to reopen this fall. The first version was the Google Sheets version. So the Google Sheets version of Excel. And then this fall, we're going to launch the Excel version. Um, and it literally takes you from here's a spreadsheet and here's what all the boxes on the spreadsheet are called. They're all cells. And it takes you up to these really advanced skills like VLOOKUP and pivot tables. And, you know, it really takes you to teach you all the skills that you need to use Excel in the workplace. But instead of using boring videos that talk about data that isn't relevant to you, it uses fun data around The Bachelor. So you get to use my my data from Hannah Brown season. So Instagram follower counts, um, you get screen time data, demographic data, and that's what we play with the whole course. So it it takes out the, okay, what data are they working with? Like, I don't get this to, okay, I get what she's talking about, but like, how can I apply it now? And mm. it's fun. I, I can speak in non-monotone. <laughs> yeah, that sounds way interesting. And it's probably stuff that I should probably invest in at some point. I don't know if I will, but only because I keep track of the same stuff you do, not as thoroughly as you do. I usually just check Instagram accounts on the days after I believe that there's a rose ceremony taking place um, to see <laughs> who's turned it back on. And clearly there are guys on Michelle's season that are helping me along in the uh, elimination process of who's home because they're clearly not being very uh, smart about it. Um, yep. But I also am, but yeah, but I also just write it down on paper. That's what I've been doing, and that's how I that's how I track it. Or sometimes I type it into my notes. It all depends on what I feel like doing that day. But yeah, that's that's really cool that you're doing it. And yeah, I can imagine it'd be boring as fuck, really, to to do it over <laughs> finance numbers when if you take it with information that people are actually interested in, the show that they watch, and Instagram followers, and screen time, like you said. Yeah, that's got to be way more exciting. Um, the thing that I did notice this season, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but you got you guys have added on or on your site on Instagram, the Bachelor Data Instagram account, you've added a lot more coverage of things that you're doing charts for. Because in the past, I just remember it basically being Instagram followers, and then you know the 24 hours after the Monday episode airs. And then usually, uh, you know, obviously your screen time stuff, but it seems like you're doing a lot more now. Did that just pick up or is that just me? Sort of. So we, we, we've been testing, like, I feel like Patreon is like my testing ground where I get to play with new types of data. So during map season, I did a ton of Google search trends with my Patreon subscribers. And now I'm kind of doing a little bit of that, but I think it's also just trying to keep the data fresh, you know, instead of just like posting on a schedule on, okay, we're going to cover this on Monday, this on Tuesday, this on Wednesday is like, well, what's relevant? What are people talking about? And um, it changes really quickly. Like it's, 
you know, it, and I think it's also as people are like reading the data, I feel like they're becoming data analysts as well, because like while the episode's airing, I'll get so many DMs and it's literally down to, hey, can you analyze like do if you get a horse date, like a horseback riding date, you make it far because I remember Tyler C had one and we just saw Blake had one. And I'm like, yeah. oh, my God, now I have to go back and skim through how many seasons to analyze if there was a horse, you know? Oh, jeez. That's, I mean, I, I get it why someone would want to know that, but that's a lot of work for you for something that doesn't have, I mean, I don't know, because I don't think in the end, ultimately, it means all that much. Yes, Tyler got a horse date, but he didn't win. Blake got a horse date and he won. It's like, okay, it just shows right there, even with a, a, a small sample size of two, it doesn't mean you win. Like, I, I don't know. What are they looking sort of. for? Yeah, I don't know. Also, sort of. So there's there's a lot of times. So like this season, for example, there were some posts that I was like, well, like, I I shouldn't post this because it's not responsible to post it because it would be insinuating that there are certain trends. And I found that with the horseback riding one. But the question was relevant when people were DMing me after the fireworks date this season, which I think it went to Greg, I think. Yeah. But but, 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 but Blake had – oh, no, they had fireworks at, at the end, right? Or it's no? normally only one season that gets fireworks. And hmm. when somebody asked me that, I, I just Googled bachelorette fireworks date. And I was looking through pictures, and I was like, oh, wait, there are a lot of front runners that got this. So I went back, and I rewatched – my God, how was it? Uh, I think, like, I went back to Andy's season. So that's, like – about eight, eight seasons about, at yeah, this point about eight seasons ago, yeah, yeah i went back eight seasons and lo and behold when you get a fireworks date you are probably final three <laughs> so really? hmm. there are some trends but you have to investigate them and it's cool whenever you find those trends but not always like you end up spending a lot of time investigating horseback riding dates just to not report on it <laughs> what ended up being the horseback riding thing was it a big thing like somebody get you at least get to a certain point if you get a horseback riding date or no it ended up being no i mean there were some spotty people that stuck out like tyler c and and blake but i mean i couldn't find any other like relevant there were a few relevant people but off the top of my head i don't remember it being enough to report on and I guess you could also change that or that horseback riding to just riding on an animal because didn't Sean and Catherine ride on elephants? And oh, maybe that was after oh, they already got right. Maybe that was after they got engaged, though. I think that maybe have already been like they were already he had already she already won. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think they got on the elephants after they had gotten engaged, but I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, just something like that. Um, I, I think there's. I, I, I can only imagine the amount of DMs, DMs you get. In terms of, can you look at this? Can you look at this? What's the, what's the most bizarre one you've gotten? Um, I have random men slide into my DMs, which I always find so odd because <laughs> my following is like ninety-eight. Instagram tells me it's ninety-eight percent women, and I'm like, who's following me that would slide into my DMs? I think that's the one that, whenever it happens, it's just like, I'm sorry, what? Like, I just post data here. Um, but as far as like, oh, wait, are we talking, when you say men sliding in, are we talking about hitting on you? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought I, I was, <laughs> I was saying most bizarre in terms of what's the most bizarre request you've gotten in, in terms of go look at this data data. Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> but it was nice to know that men are hitting see. on you on DMS. Interesting. Oh my God. It, it's so random when it happens. I'm like, who are you and why are you doing this? <laughs> um, I don't know if I get any weird DMS. I feel like. 
it's just people who are sitting on the show or sitting on the couch watching the show being like, hey, I'm wondering this thing. And I'm like, oh, that is interesting. I think it's just mainly around just like how detailed people can get. They're like, they'll find words that they want to know how many times it's said, um, which I mean, it's possible to pull it, but it's, I feel like those are the ones that I get where I'm just like, oh, God, it's so detailed. How'd you come up with that? Yeah. If you're asking to pull, like how many times was this word said? I mean, I've seen the, I've seen the parodies that Kimmel has done sometimes with journey, the word journey or connection or something like that. And it's, it's a lot, but you don't want to, you don't want to do that. I mean, you'll have no life if you start, you know, pulling words, you know, how many times was this word said an episode? You will probably pull your hair. Well, off. I do. I have the transcripts now. So I did it once and it was on Claire season with how many times Dale's name was said. And I did that one manually and it was horrible. And then there was this awesome account called batch fantasy league that DM me and was like, Hey, I pulled the transcripts from a, like the closed captioning. Do you want them? And I was like, yes, please. Um, so it helps a lot more now when I have the transcripts um, just because they aren't publicly available. I think some people like developers have figured out ways to pull it from, you know, websites like Hulu. Um, I didn't even know you could do but that. Yeah. You could pull the sure. you can pull the transcript of the show off of Hulu. I don't know if it's Hulu. I think they do Amazon Prime, but yeah, they pull the the closed captioning, so that's easier now that I can get it from them. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of these things. When you start playing with data, it forces you to find ways to be really efficient with working with numbers and. It's so funny because I just never thought that I would ever be interested in this kind of stuff yeah. like five years ago. But if you even if you pull it, you still have to go over a two hour television show and read every word that was said. That still has got to take a while, right? Yeah, on a computer, you can do command F to search page or control F if you're on a PC. See, I need to be taking your course because see, this is <laughs> like I literally thought you were looking over two, uh, two hours of transcript and looking for keywords. I'm looking for the word Dale over two hours. Uh, See, this is what I mean. We do we do cover this in a course. In yeah, a that's course. what I mean. I exactly. I'm totally clueless. See, I learn something new every day. <laughs> I had no idea you could just go into a system and type in what Control F and find it. Are you on a PC? Um, yes. Or a Mac? Yeah, I'm on a PC. Yeah. So if you're on a PC, it's Control F to search any page, any website, any spreadsheet, anything on a computer. If you just do Command F, you can search. Hmm. Oh boy. I might be signing up for a class. <laughs> uh, how long does it take, the class? Like, for... um, So it's about seven to eight hours. So what I say is, and especially some people are like, oh, I'm going to binge it. And I'm like, take your time. Like, do one module a week. So it's about an hour. And, like, take the time to apply it whenever you use spreadsheets. So you can actually, you know, let it, you know, apply it and learn. Definitely will. I'm going to look into that for next season. And, you know, <laughs> set aside one hour a week for seven or eight weeks and do it. Although I probably want to knock it out quicker than that. So we'll see. Um, I want to get into to Katie season because definitely an interesting season with the numbers clearly as uh, I posted yesterday and you posted yesterday with your ratings comparing the other seasons. Um, definitely the lowest rated season they've ever had. Obviously, there's two ways to look at that because while it is the lowest rated season in terms of total viewers and their rating, 
it's still winning its two hour time slot every Monday night, and it's it's actually getting the rating is usually two times more than the second highest rated show on Monday night, which is usually, you know, a new episode of the neighborhood, which I didn't, I've never even, I couldn't even tell you what channel the neighborhood is on. I just see it on the TV series finale website. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's, it's winning. It's, it's winning every Monday night, but the ratings weren't great. And for those that missed it yesterday, if you just read my column, when you, when I put it up or when you initially put up your bachelorette ratings column, the site that we use TV series finale.com, initially had up on their site yesterday morning that um, the overnight ratings for KD season were 6.6 million viewers. And that ended up being wrong. It it had been up there for, you know, a day. And as of yesterday morning, it was still showing 6.6. I got a couple emails saying, Steve, I don't know that site you use is wrong. It's about 4.37, 4.4. So her season was basically getting between 3.1 million viewers and 3.7 every episode this season, and then the finale drew 4.4, which it's a nice uptick, but compared to the other ones on your second post currently on your site, clearly you can see Claire, Tasha, Hannah, um, uh, Becca's, Rachel's, JoJo's, Caitlin, Andy, Desiree, just blow Katie's out of the water. But we're in different times now. There's different ways to watch it and whatnot. What was the was there any trend that you noticed in particular uh, on the ratings this season or did nothing really stick out to you? So nothing major stuck out to me. I think one of the the trends that it did follow is that the men tell all and the women tell all consistently performs horribly and everybody hates it. But yeah, yeah, um, sure. <laughs> I think I think there's a number of things that factor into that and I, I'm pulling my love for this show, because obviously I love this show so much that I spend hours a week thinking about it, right? I'm trying to pull that bias out of it. If you look across network television, like you're saying, it's been going down for years now. Like everybody says Hannah was the best bachelorette. Like she, she was the peak of it and it's only downhill now. And it's like, well, for the first half of her season, all of the headlines were how horrible her season was doing with the ratings. And if you look back, it's just every single season is going down. So there's a few things to keep in mind there. So the, the website that you and I use, and it's, oh gosh, this morning was so frustrating too. When I saw that, because I was like, I've been vetting this website for years and they've always been consistently reporting it correctly, but they use the Nielsen ratings, which are, they're kind of like the industry standard, but they've always, they've also been behind the times. But what, what I think a lot of people don't realize is that Nielsen actually doesn't count every single TV and every single device. Like it's, it's only a small quantity that they use. And then they basically scale that out to say, okay, it was approximately this many million viewers, but it's not actually that many because they can't measure all the households. Yeah, so it's, it's a guesstimate essentially. Exactly. And also today's numbers are still not final. They'll be finalizing this through Saturday, but regardless, yes, it is down. And I think that there's a few things here because it's, it also has to do with Instagram followers over the last few years, the amount of reality TV that's been available, all like the new shows that are coming out, it's exploding. Like there are so many options now. Like even when the world shut down, like we had Tiger King, we had like all of these big TV shows that or Love is Blind. My gosh, Love is Blind came out and who was it? Lauren and I think his name was Cameron. They like they would outcompete every single contestant on this show with the exception of a handful in terms of Instagram follower counts. So 
And too hot, too hot to handle. Too hot to handle too. Harry and Francesca. Francesca had a million when she went on the show. I think she's over three or four million now. Like that, those people are exactly. drawing big numbers. And I think like Nielsen ratings are one thing, and and they, they people who work in advertising and and you know paying these big networks for you know ad spots like they'll all say like it's a pretty outdated system and it's not all that we look at anymore so it's kind of like influencers right like if you look back a decade ago when influencers just started becoming a thing it was okay how many followers do you have and that's how much we'll pay you well now with instagram influencers they're like okay but what does your engagement look like how many likes do you get what is your what do your comments look like how much are people engaging with your content when you put a swipe up link how many people swipe up so yeah i feel like when it comes to talking about how successful this show is it there's so many other things it's like it does every single episode trend on bbc or is it just when you know like when networks pick it up around the world like what are they talking about how often does that happen what does the franchise like followers like people like ourselves like just people who watch the show, how much are we talking about it? How much are we engaging with the official Bachelor Instagram accounts? You know, I think there's just so many factors there, but I think it's so important for people to realize that we have a massive pandemic and we can't base these ratings of, you know, a lot of people want to be like, oh, it's because Chris Harrison's gone. It's like, okay, well, we've had a pandemic. There's so many new TV shows now. Like it's, it's booming. Like Disney's doing like, tv shows now with you know marvel like that didn't exist before yeah no for sure i i could rant about this forever because i feel <laughs> like people try to say that this show's going the show's going away because it's so horrible because of these ratings it's like it's just one number it's like with children we don't just label how good a kid is how well a kid is doing in school just based off of their standardized testing scores it's like we don't do that guys well, the other thing is, <laughs> no, that's fine. And I, I'm 100% with you on that because I get it all the time, especially, you know, in the last year with I'm not watching because Chris Harrison's not hosting and Caitlin and Tasha suck. Why are we having two hosts? This is dumb. Why'd they pick Katie? She finished 11th. All this stuff that people complained about. But yet here we are. It still was the most watched network television show every Monday night for the last 10 weeks. And uh, it wins its time slot and it it dominates in the women 18 to 54 demo, which is the number one demo that advertisers look at. So people can say what all the, uh, you know, all they want. And yes, the overall numbers are down, but I mean, unless, unless people are going to start releasing figures and this show will go off the air when that, when those advertisers who love the 18 to 54 demo stop giving their money to the bachelor and bachelorette. And I don't think that's happening anytime soon. So uh, one thing that you brought up that I, found was really interesting and it just popped into my head um was the mental all or the tell all for any season mental all or women tell all is just a is just an albatross of an episode every single year it just doesn't do well nobody cares about it i have a question have are have you been watching or have you been keeping up with f boy island i just started it yesterday so i'm one episode in okay don't to, spoil me don't spoil me steve i know i'm trying to um <laughs> because this is gonna we're recording this on wednesday it's gonna come out on thursday the final four episodes um of f boy island are being released august 12th when this podcast goes up so some people will have watched 
the whole season by the time they listen to this podcast. And I really have. A, okay. You, it's okay. You can go for it. Go for it. I have a it's really okay. good point about spoilers. MTA. I, I have a really good point about the tell all. So I will say this. I'll give people a disclaimer real quickly. If you have not watched the last four episodes of F boy Island, fast forward through this next couple minutes that I'm going to talk about this tell all point that I want to make. Um, so get ready. I'm going to talk about it in uh, three, two, one. Okay. So Susanna, when they get to the final, um, uh, and this isn't, I'm not going to give any names, so it's not really going to spoil much for you, but after episode Perfect. eight, each of the three women are down to two guys. Okay. Um, you watched episode one, right? The, yes. fu- the full episode. Okay. So, you know, at the end of episode one, the twist was we're sending the F boys to Limbro and we're sending the good guys, the nice guys to the nice guy Grotto. Well, yes. I can tell you that to start episode nine, the reason that those guys were all brought in there is because they all bring them back to start episode nine and they do a tell all while the show is still going on. So all the guys that have been eliminated sit sit on the stage that they create in that stage, but sit outside and then the girls are on stage with their final two guys sitting next to them. And then the guys who have been eliminated basically fill the girls in on what that guy said about you, what that guy said about you. You know, he told me this, he told me this, he told me he was after Instagram followers. He doesn't really like you. He wants the money, whatever. So I thought that was really interesting because now the, the bachelor can't do that because they filmed their, they filmed their, after the final, they filmed their men tell all and women tell all long after the fact. And so the outcome's already been determined but basically, I thought it was really good and really cool of F-Boy Island to do this because these women are getting updated in real time what people think of these guys as opposed to, well, we've already filmed the show. Now these guys three months later are going to come back and go on a tell-all and say, well, I didn't like him and I didn't like the way he said it. It's just like it kind of falls on deaf ears when three months have passed and we know you don't really care oh, that much. That's fantastic. Yeah. Like I, and they're still living in that bubble. And yeah. I feel like that's... They haven't, and the thing, the main get. thing is, they haven't made their decision yet, and they're hearing things um, from the guys that lived with these guys, and these guys are basically shitting on the, t- you know, they're shitting on some of the guys on stage, like, don't pick this guy because he said this about you earlier, and so they haven't made their decision yet. So that's what made it really, like, real and interesting because we don't see that with the Bachelorette or Bachelor, women tell all and men tell all. So I thought that yeah, was interesting. I- You'll like it. I love that format. And it, it kind of feels like, and I know a lot of people were talking about for Katie's season, having Caitlin and Tasha there, there was so much opportunity for them to kind of like break the format as, as well. And at some point, let Katie sit down and be like with, with the two women hosts and be like, all right, let's look through these guys' social media. Let's Let's like talk to the other men and like figure out you know, who are these guys and, you know, what's, who are they outside? Like, there's just so much room for innovation within this show that I feel like just like that, it would, it brings so much to the mix just because I feel like the ratings have been consistent since, if you go back to Dez's season, the mental is horrible. Andy Dorfman, it's horrible. Like Sean Lowe, it's horrible. It just doesn't perform well. Never does. And now that you said that, I'm going to give you another mini spoiler, but not mention names about F-Boy Island. Um, I think it's episode six. They do that with the three girls. They sit, they let them sit down in front of a computer and go and scroll through these guys' Instagram accounts to see. And the girls talk about like how good they are at noticing 
what a guy writes in a comment section under a, a girl in a bikini's picture. Does he put hearts? Does he put likes? How many likes does he have? And they show the girls going through the guys that are still left Instagram accounts. And that's something people, I think, in Bachelor World have been clamoring for for a while now is can this I, – I understand you guys want to be in this bubble and they don't. you don't want to be influenced by the outside world or break that fourth wall, but – what would be so wrong if Katie at some point during the season was able to look at the Instagram accounts of some of her guys, you know? I think it makes exactly. it more real. But you know, you know what? They for 42 seasons they haven't done it. If they do it now, then they're totally copying F-Boy Island because F-Boy Island is really the first one I think to to really go that route in terms of a dating show where you're allowed to look at them in real time and then, you know, and then once they took that information, they will they go and speak to the guys. And it causes conflict because one of them guys gets called out for it. And that's in episode six. And you'll see that. So that's that's really good. And, um, yeah, it just it's it's really weird how now, I, like I said, I, the Bachelor and the Bachelorette can't pull that off because the only way they could do that is if when you're eliminated from the Bachelor or Bachelorette, you stay on set and travel with the crew like that's just never going to happen. Yeah. You know, that's the problem. It can it can never happen unless they. Unless they did it with down to 10 guys, you know, when you're down to your final 10, those guys stick around forever. But no, it's just no, it's never going to happen with this show. So I don't think they can do it. The Instagram thing, I think, is something they should look into, like make it a little oh, yeah. more like the lead is allowed. Michelle, you know, this season allowed to maybe, you know, look at her guys in, in a way that we've never seen before. I doubt it's going to happen, but we know if they do, they stole it from F-Boy Island and uh yeah, you'll like it. Uh, F Boy Island, it's got a great twist at the end. It's good. You're gonna you're really gonna like it. Um did you like the first episode at least? I did. And yeah. I'm I so wish that I, I was watching it live with everybody else. This this summer the summer's been hard because I'm watching Bachelor, which requires so many hours, but I've also started watching Big Brother and I had all these big plans to cover it on that new account that I started, but um it just it it's so time consuming. Yeah, is this your first season watching Big Brother? No, oh. no. I started season 16 with Brittany. Okay. That's my first season. It was a while ago. Um yeah, so we're done. Okay, done with F-Boy Island talk if anybody fast forwarded through. Um but I just did I did want to give people a heads up because I thought that was a really cool thing that they did and made it a little more realistic where they're getting info before they make their choice as opposed to Katie going on the men tell all and somebody saying, Hey, Thomas was this. And Thomas like, great. One, she didn't choose Thomas. And two, what does it matter now? You know? <laughs> um, so, uh, I talked earlier about Michelle's guys briefly. I know that you've probably got them all lined up on your Instagram, their Instagram accounts and whatnot. Have you been, um, following that? And are there anything that is there anything that has stuck out about Instagram followers of Michelle's guys? I think it's it's nice how I think people really like to see how many have like so few followers, which I don't know. I don't for me, I'm not like, oh, he must be here for the right reasons because he only has 200 followers because, I mean, most of them just wipe their accounts whenever they start applying for the show. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think it's a relatively like unfollowed cast. I I'm excited for men though. I mean, I think I think there's her season's going to be great. I'm excited for her, especially as somebody who works in education. I feel like teachers are just so rational when it comes to like human beings and interactions around working and being around people. Um, but yeah, I think 
there's definitely I'm starting to see more and more people that are uh, very strategically wiping their accounts and starting new ones, which I 100 percent I don't blame them. It means that they know that they're going to be analyzed, which is important. Like I, yeah. you know, everybody always says when these like tweets come out about people, they're like, oh, why didn't they just wipe it? And it's like, yeah, they should they should wipe it. Like if they said this stupid stuff when they were high schoolers and if they've learned and if they've changed since then. Yeah, like I'd want that off the Internet, too. <laughs> I, I totally I mean, we jumped to Michelle's season. I totally forgot to even ask you about this final four for Katie's season. And without going back to past seasons and looking at the post that you made about past seasons and followers, it, it seemingly just off the top of my head, this looks like a very, very poorly followed final four of Blake, Greg, Michael and Justin this season. I mean, Justin, as we as I'm looking at it right now, Justin you know, finished second, and he doesn't even have a hundred thousand followers. Michael is a little over two hundred, and Greg had a giant spike of almost a hundred and fifty thousand people from Monday through Wednesday. Blake. Blake, yeah, Blake had a yeah. So he passed Greg. Blake Blake is now over four hundred thousand, and Greg's a little under four hundred thousand. But going into the finale on Monday night, um, Blake was at like two fifty, and now he's over four hundred. Yeah, I think it's so tough to compare season to season, right? Because if we look at Hannah's season, we're going to be like, oh, well, Tyler C., like, he was in the millions. Yeah. But if you look at Jed, Jed only had, like, 400,000 the night of his finale. Like, and then within the same week, he was already dropping, which, I mean, obviously it's because of the situation around him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing, too, is you can't compare Bachelor to Bachelorette. Just because when when people go on this show – and the majority of the fan base are women, women tend to follow women. For sure. Um, and it's for different reasons, right? Like when uh, when Hannah G, Hannah Godwin, when she went on her season, I remember seeing her makeup and I was like, her makeup is gorgeous. I want to follow her after this season to figure out what she uses. You know, and like I, I think that a lot of women follow for that, for not for makeup, but because they want to follow other women, I think people lose interest in, in men around this show and they're, they're just not nearly as followed. So you can't compare back and forth. Um, but I think it definitely Tyler C is, he's an anomaly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we're ever going to have a Tyler C again, but I think something that like a, a big thing that I, I feel like as somebody who has been watching this show on such an in-depth analysis, right? We are literally starting and stopping the clock and re-watching this down to the second to collect our screen time. Something that I feel like is happening over the last few years is that they are editing these people to make us hate them. Like, look at Katie, right? Katie had this hero storyline on her season, and then they make her the Bachelorette, and I feel like it, it was just like this downfall for her. Like, I mean, don't even get me started on Carrie Fetman and, like, the way that they dressed her because, like, (laughs) my goodness. But, like, look at Greg, right? They built Greg up to be this hero at the beginning of the season, and then the downfall was so hard. And, like, they're not not building us up to love these people anymore, which I feel like if you look at Love is Blind, right, there were so many storylines that made us love these contestants, and now we all want to follow them, and we love the show. Um, well, I don't watch that one, so I don't I don't know anything about Love is Blind, but I've heard. Oh, Steve, you're missing out. <laughs> I know. I keep people keep telling me it's a good one, but I just 
I tried the circle, couldn't get into that. Just too much text on my screen to read. I don't want to read when I'm watching a TV show. And yeah. uh, <laughs> um, it, that one was tough. I, I, I might finish season two of circle. I, I, I don't know, but no, I've never gotten into love is blind, but no, I, I agree with what you're saying. And, pl- and definitely the whole women thing, because it makes more sense because when you come off this show as a woman, you have a lot more ability to produce content that is appealing to other women, whether it's makeup, whether it's hair, whether it's you know cooking like Hannah Ann seems to be getting into. Um, wh- what guys are producing followable content when they get off this show? It's Basically, it seems like the only reason you would follow a guy from this show, post-show, is because, one, you just kind of want to see what they're up to, or two, you think they're hot. There's really no other. I, I just are, are there well, many so guys producing content? Factor. What's the third one? So the other one is one that we've de- been deprived now for two years, and it's a relationship factor. So normally, we get the story arc of Bachelor, Bachelorette, and then Bachelor in Paradise, which puts all of these characters that they've built up over these seasons together to create love stories. And we see people coming out of Bachelor in Paradise with so many followers. Look at Jaden Tanner. Carly and Evan, like it builds up a a huge following because people want to see people fall in love. And we've been deprived of that. So I think that that's also another factor when you're looking at these follower accounts where it's like, well, but we haven't had Bachelor in Paradise that allowed other people to grow up their like to build up their follower accounts too. It makes sense. I didn't really think about that. But I mean, with Paradise starting up, I'm sure you're going to be giving data for Paradise. And you got a lot of people to put like how are you gonna fit all those people on, on the screen on one of your on one of your Instagram <laughs> posts when you got almost I mean the show starts with uh twenty So many. Yeah, there there's a lot. And look, and some of them are just going to be just um, you know, one episode people that get eliminated and we're not gonna see them again and it's just almost like do you even include them, but you don't wanna exclude somebody just because they only lasted an episode i don't know i mean you're gonna listen i gotta collect them all regardless as soon as you put those out i was like oh god there's so many people on this pressure i keep having to expand how wide it is yeah even if they come on for one episode you don't know when a news story is going to come out on them to make them relevant so it doesn't matter when people get eliminated like i'm still tracking people who were eliminated night one on katie's season because you never know what's going to happen yeah, their name could pop up in the news for something either positive or negative, and all of a sudden they get some sort of spike. But yeah, with Bachelor in Paradise, that's a lot of people that you got to track, especially with new people coming in every week. And you don't have—I don't believe—do you have data from past Bachelor in Paradise seasons or no? Sort of. So I was collecting the data at the time. This was um, when Instagram still let us use this like script that would let us pull the data. Um, Like I just had a script running that every night it would just pull it for all of the people on a spreadsheet, but Instagram since changed that. So during bachelor in paradise, 2019, I had it running for that, that spreadsheet, but I just never analyzed it. So I have some data from that season, but not from any other seasons. I wonder if people listening are going crazy the fact that you are saying data and I'm saying data. Like I, I am, I, I know I'm catching myself. I've said data this whole podcast. If I slipped a data in there, if I slipped a data in there, then I missed it. But I have been catching myself in my brain saying uh, 
data and you've been saying data and I'm wondering if it's driving people nuts. I just don't know. Is it is it a, is it a is there a correct pronunciation or is it open for interpretation? Like it's not a big thing. I don't think so cuz so data itself it's plural. So the singular version is datum. And I and I'm probably saying that wrong cuz nobody ever says it um out loud. But I do know data is plural. So you say data technically it's data are I guess, but everybody says data is. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to continue with my data, apparently, because I don't. That's just what comes out of my mouth sometimes. Um, (laughs) So wrapping things up with Katie's season, um, I'm looking at the. hmm. So Justin obviously made final two. Isn't he hasn't even cracked 100,000. Won't be on Paradise. So that doesn't help his case. I mean, I, I can't imagine Justin really probably gets any more than – I don't even think he's – he might never approach 100,000 unless he goes on Paradise. Maybe he gets a little bit over 105, 110, 115. But, I mean, it's two days since the finale and he hasn't cracked it and we're not going to see him on TV again. So who knows? Although, hmm, I have heard something that I probably shouldn't run with. But, okay, there is something that involving Justin that might increase his followers, if what I heard is true. I, I don't know if it's 100% true. And it's nothing, it's nothing negative, so it's, it's more of a positive thing. Um, I'll tell you about it when we hang up. But um, I think that could definitely help his case, uh, if it's true. Also, Blake, I, you have the numbers from Blake last season. I don't have them in front of me right now from Blake last season. How was he last season with Claire and Tasha in terms of his Instagram following? And did he get his big, obviously he got his big kick since Monday night. He's gotten 150,000 since Monday, but did his, did he kick in at all right away when he popped up on this season or, and, and how did his season, I can see his, his line on his chart, you know, trending upwards the whole time since he arrived on the show, but did it, um, did it go up quicker than it went up on Claire and Tasha's season? Okay, so Blake started Claire's season with where'd you go? There it is. He started with five thousand followers, hmm. and he ended Tasha's season with one hundred thirty-seven thousand. Fo- well, technically, the finale was at one eighteen, but then by about a month after the finale, he was at one thirty-seven. So that was in January. Now, I started collecting um, Katie's men. I remember I was in Colorado. It was mid-March when you started to release some of the men. But it was on March 18th that you put or that ABC released everybody. Yeah. And then Blake started to be spotted filming. So around that time, he was at 138, 138,000. So, I mean, he he was. He was around the amount that, you know, most men come off the season, I guess, when you look back at Claire's. Um, like, I mean, big names, not everybody. Yeah. But now he's at over 400,000. So I definitely think, um, I think he was on private for a while when filming was happening. So his numbers were going down until the season premiere. 
And now being in the final couple, that definitely is a boon when they start posting pictures together and tagging each other. You know, if you're a fan of Katie, for the most part, you'd think they'd want to follow her fiance. And I think people are just curious yeah. because, I mean, people did it with Matt and Rachel, you know, at the end of his season where they they technically in public, they weren't a couple. Um, And, you know, people wanted to watch to see what happened next. You know, I think people follow for a ton of reasons. It's, you know, people will follow because they like them. They follow them because they want to hate follow them. They follow them because they want to talk about it with their friends and see what happens next. I think there's a lot of reasons there. Yeah. And I think I, and I, I'm assuming Blake will stay ahead of Greg now that he's passed him. I don't see Greg passing uh, Blake now, Um, but I guess weirder things have happened. You know, there's possibly paradise next season with guys like a Justin or a Greg or an Andrew. If they don't, if one of them ends up not being bachelor or whatever, um, obviously Michael a had a, had a giant growth this season. He's a guy that didn't have really any, um, Instagram presence uh, at all. And he's, you know, a little over 200,000 now. And if he becomes the bachelor, obviously that will grow. Don't know if he's going to be, but obviously he's in the running. If he gets it, clearly his stock will shoot up, but he was, he was at, I mean, he had no following really. What was his start? What was his start when he was, March 18th, when it was announced that Michael Alillo, uh, is it Alillo? Uh, is a Leo, I think. Um, what it, what was his first, when we first found out this guy was going to be on the show, what was his follower count? Less than 1,000, wasn't it? Or less than two? Yeah, 885. <laughs> oh, I'm laughing at it. I just, it's just funny because that's what this show has turned into. You know, Blake, like you said, Blake was, um, what did you say Blake was again when he first when we first found out about him on Claire's season, he was 10, uh, 5,100. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, now, and now he's at over 400,000 just because he went on a TV show. Granted, he went on twice, but you know, Michael, 885 people cared about Michael Alio, um, back before and on March 18th. And, um, now over 200,000 people, and it's only going to grow. Um, it's just amazing what this is turned into. So as we wrap things up here, um, I kind of like wanted to ask you, 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 obviously you're expanding. Like you said, you have somebody else that's doing stuff for you. Um, Where do you want to take this from here? Because just since December, you've obviously grown a lot. What's the next step for you? Yeah, I think we're we're definitely looking at expanding to some different shows. So, you know, we're trying to right now with Big Brother, but realizing how much of a time commitment it is between the two of us. (laughs) Um, mm. Well, and Big Brother is three hours a week, you know, so that one's tough. And especially like for me, if I feel like I'm covering Big Brother, I feel like I have to do the live feeds just and it just wasn't possible this summer with my day job. Um, But yeah, I think definitely expanding, but I think more so is just continuing to invest in learning how to use spreadsheets efficiently and how to tell stories with data and then passing that knowledge along to others just because like Excel has become this tool that I, I never thought it could be such a life changer for me as somebody who didn't gravitate towards working with them to begin with. I mean, I was kind of resentful. So I think just more of that, just trying to find different ways to tell stories with data and then sharing that knowledge with others. The other thing is that you got into 
I believe since we did our podcast back in December, is a little more video stuff. You got a TikTok account, like people can visually see you doing it, and it's and it's the same, right? It, your your TikTok account is Bachelor Data, right? Yeah, yeah, that's been a tough one for me. I feel like really, I feel like it's such a strange medium for me. I feel I feel so odd and out of. I feel so old on it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we're definitely. I'm trying to crack into it. I've been trying. It's it's more like I want to tell these stories, right? But I I feel like podcasts aren't like I with podcasts. I feel like I need to have the visual there, and it's tough for people when they're driving. So I feel like TikTok is the way to go, but short form storytelling with very complex data is, is something I'm still trying to figure out how that's going to work. So I don't have a TikTok account, but I can go on the TikTok. I have the TikTok app, TikTok app on my phone and I can just you know, obviously scroll my home screen and it gives me, you know, videos. But I, every time I hit a like or whatever, it says, please create an account. So I don't have my own account, but I watch videos. And so I'm kind of familiar with TikTok kind of not but i've noticed recently and i'm sure this has happened and i just don't know about it for the longest time i thought tiktok was just 15 seconds max on your videos now i'm watching things that are like two minutes long what is the what is the thing with tiktok now how long can you go yeah so it was up to 60 seconds i think up until two months ago and they just recently expanded it to three minutes okay so three minutes Um, is the max okay yeah but i think the bigger thing is that if you if you I don't know, I see everything now with an analytical view. If you look at videos that go viral, the longer ones are typically not it. It's very much about short form storytelling and like how quickly can you get people engaged and get them to the end of that story. And it's something that, you know, telling a story visually is one thing. So how do I bring that data into this platform to tell that story quickly when I feel like so many people want to like zoom in and look at the data? So how do I do that with words? and video while putting myself on it, which also feels weird. So <laughs> and, and, it's yeah, definitely and, something I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. And, and in a short form, like you said, I, yeah, every, every major viral video for the most part is something that's fairly short because we all have in this day and age of technology, we all have short attention spans and, you know, and you, and it's funny you say, you know, TikTok has expanded to three minutes. Like that's some sort of, long commitment somebody has to make to somebody something but in this world that we live in yeah it is nobody wants to watch something for three minutes anymore you know um i yeah i I, when i see a when i see a tiktok video and i come across it and somebody just starts talking about something and then i look at the bottom of the screen and that little bar that moves across if it's moving across slow and i look like and it looks like it's a two or three minute video i scroll i'm on to the next one like it just but you but you only notice that if you aren't engaged um because if it's something like if it's something like super engaged like i remember the first tiktok video i saw it was about this guy that was like oh my god there's this wire that goes into my house where is it from and like the whole video is this guy just trying to investigate where this video where this wire is going into and it ends up not being anything but like (laughs) you know doing three parts on this wire that was going into his house and like i remember looking back i was like why am i watching this but he told such an engaging story so I, I think people like really rip on on TikTok, but the people who are on TikTok, I mean, aside from like, you know, dancing and whatnot, like they're telling fantastic stories very quickly. And it is a new form of art that I feel like people aren't appreciating yet. Well, the dancing thing is almost like 
Yeah, that's what got TikTok started, and TikTok really took off during the pandemic with those eight to ten dances that everybody was copying and doing. Now, I don't even, uh, in terms of my things that are shown to me on my home when I scroll, I don't see many dances anymore. My, you know, yeah, and and so, and maybe I'm just different because of the stuff. Like, doesn't it doesn't it see what I stop and watch, and that becomes part of my you know, yeah. cookies or algorithm or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So the things that I'm seeing now the most on TikTok um, <laughs> are, are not Charlie DeMillo and Addison Ray anymore. It is. Yeah. I've never <laughs> seen them. <laughs> it's uh, it's golfing videos and wrestling videos. <laughs> like that's what I see the most. And I'm like, why do I keep seeing that? And I was like, Oh, okay. Cause that's what I stop and watch. Um, but yeah, it, but that sounds like an exciting life. Yeah, You're seeing TikTok. <laughs> golf videos yeah i've t- I've guys at the I've guys on the course taking swings and uh i'm like okay and then um but yeah in 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 april and june in may and june of 2020 all i saw were random strangers dancing to 15 second videos that's all i saw and but yeah it definitely seems to have changed but i i guess it's all determined by each person's own individual likes and what they spend time on. But yeah, I don't see it as a dancing app anymore, but a year ago I did. So I don't know. Yeah. So what do you get on your, what do you get on your channel? I'm curious. What do you see on your home screen when you scroll? I get a mixture between news. There's this one woman that I, I always said, I put up said on nude, my feed. I you said nudes. I'm like, what? No. Oh my God. No news. <laughs> okay. And yeah. her, she's her whole stick is that she tells news from underneath her desk and it's, it's fantastic. And then, <laughs> I get a lot of entrepreneur stuff and then yeah. obviously Excel stuff. I uh, I just got accepted to this really cool beta uh, beta test for this guy named the data guy who's created this like virtual reality data visualization on TikTok. And he's I, I just got into the beta testing. So I'm really excited. It's like you walk through your data visualization as you're telling a story. And I'm like, this is going to be cool for The Bachelor. Oh, wow. OK. Yeah, I can't say I've come across anything data related when it comes to tiktok yeah it's golfing videos clips of old wrestling wwf matches and stuff like that and what's the other thing i get a lot um god no those are the two that stick out in my mind so yeah i don't it's crazy no more dancing anymore but yeah a year ago it was nothing (laughs) but dancing and random strangers doing those same eight dances and i'm like how is this taking off? Like, how is this the biggest thing in the world right now? I guess because we're in a pandemic and we're bored. But, yeah. But now it's, like you said, it's totally different. And I had no idea it was. I just noticed they were longer, so I didn't know what the rules were. But you're saying it went from a minute to three minutes. How long ago? Month? I think like a month or two ago. But I feel like time still isn't running normally for me after the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, well, Susanna, thank you so much for coming on. I love having you on and love – listening to you break this stuff down it's awesome uh your site on instagram is bachelor data data whatever you want to call it um (laughs) tiktok same thing and um go check out her stuff because it is it's a really a really interesting deep dive and it also refreshes your memory on stuff that you probably forgot like the order of the overnight dates um the finale appearance order instagram growth and all that stuff you've been doing for a while but I mean, the one random one you had the other day was um, Bachelorette Proposals, what time of a day analysis you did, daytime, (laughs) sunset, or evening. I'm like, wow, I never really thought of that. And to me, 
if you were to just ask him that without me looking at that page, I just would have immediately thought, oh, don't they all happen around sunset or daytime? And it was like daytime is six and sunset is five and evening has been two. And the only evening that's what I thought too. Yeah, and the only evening I remember, I remember Caitlin's because it was back at the mansion. But who was the other? Who was the other evening proposal that I'm forgetting? I didn't. I don't want to click Claire. on this. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, okay. I guess I totally blanked on that because it was not the. I was thinking ending of the show, and she was episode yeah. four. So, um, okay, yeah. Now that well, makes that sense. One, that one actually came to me like during the episode when when Katie's proposal was starting. I was like, oh well, it, you know, Blake's the only one that made it, and normally. So yeah, I was thinking back. I was like, normally, if you get there around sunset, you know that you won because they need to film it before the sun sets. But it's a, be- a beautiful background. I was like, oh, he must be thinking that he's going to get dumped. Like, he doesn't know that he's the last one there. And that's when I was like, oh, wait, it's daytime. It's not sunset. Yeah. And he, but he knew. He he knew he was the final one. Um, yeah. Or he was the only guy left. But yeah, they didn't. I, I, I thought they missed an opportunity there. I don't know why all this. I mean. Once Blake met her family, they were like talking in their ITMs that, you know, he knew he was the only one there. I I wish they would have showed us the yeah. moment that Katie told him, "Hey, Greg's gone." We never even saw that. Like I, or not Greg, um, Justin's gone. We never saw his, her, his reaction. I thought that would have been interesting to at least show it. But, um, yeah, it it's something to look at in the future. Like if you're a future contestant and you're listening to this podcast and you make it to the final two. Just know if you're showing up in the daytime, you lose. If you're showing up closer to sunset, you are going to be the winner. Um, well, not always. Not always. If it's sunset, you know you won. You can go yeah. in it knowing that it's going to be great. Oh, yeah, that's right. It could, be, you, it could be daytime and you actually do win, but it would have to be a kind of a Blake situation. Or all the daytime yeah. winners were, I mean, off the top of your head, what were the other daytime winners? Uh, Rachel Lindsay, because they were at the top of that hill. Uh, Emily Maynard, they were, I think, like in Spain or something. It was like some street corner. Uh, Becca Kufrin. Uh, uh, Emily Maynard wow. season. Oh, she was in Curacao. That was her. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and then yeah, and then Emily Maynard or not Emily. Uh, Ali Fedotowski had a daytime one because Roberto was the only sweating. one left, and he was the only one left because she had sent Chris home. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What about Andy? Because Andy sent Nick home, so Josh must have been in the daytime, or did they do a sunset? Sunset. Oh, they did sunset for Josh? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because The Bachelorette, I, I, I think I wrote this on Tuesday. I I just I think I just went back the last eight Bachelorettes, or maybe seven. I think it was, or maybe it was nine. And it was five to four on Bachelorettes that didn't have two guys at their final rose ceremony. Yeah. I think that was it like five five and four and i couldn't like off the top of my head i can't remember which one which one i said but it was like uh ah crap i can't remember anyway um but yeah it's for bachelorette it's done way differently in the fact that for whatever reason on the bachelorette they usually they don't mind you sending your final two guy home the bachelor i can only think of one season in recent memory it might even be one season ever in 25 seasons of the ba- or 26 seasons of the bachelor that the bachelor got to send his like on final rose ceremony day there wasn't two women and that was Colton's season every other time i believe oh no matt did it 
Colton and Matt were the only two because Matt yeah. sent Michelle home early. But every other time it's been we want to have two women walking up in their dresses and one of them walk away devastated. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, why do you let the bachelorettes let the second guy down easily? But you never do that with bachelors up until Colton and Matt. I have never understood that dramatic effect. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know if there is an answer. Or I don't even know if they realize they're doing it. Who knows? Anyway. <laughs> Susanna, thank you very much uh, for coming on. I really appreciate it. And uh, keep up the great work. We'll be following. I'll still be linking your stuff in my columns. And uh, I'm sure we'll have you on again in the future. Thanks for having me. You got it. Thanks. Thank you so much to Susanna for that. She is awesome. Um, a really great interview, too, because she is very good at breaking down exactly what is what you're seeing. And, and she did bring it up in the podcast about how sometimes it's tough. Like if you are currently listening to this podcast and you're driving or whatever, maybe it's hard to visualize what she's saying or remember all these numbers in your heads, but just go to bachelor data on Instagram and check her out there. Check her out on TikTok at bachelor data as well uh, for your bachelor information and the charts and graphs and the breakdowns that she has of some of the things on this show that you might've forgotten but it's just really interesting, uh, really interesting notes. And if you want to sign up for a class, it's on her highlights on her Instagram page. Check that out as well. Um, but we got another podcast this week because the Olympics just ended and because I am a sports fan. And obviously the biggest story I would say in the U.S. was the Simone Biles gymnastics incident uh, where she had to pull out. Um, there is a person locally here in Dallas that follows me on Twitter. And I didn't realize she did for a while, and I didn't know why she did. And then she occasionally appears on the sports talk station that I listen to out here. Uh, shout out to The Ticket, former employer, uh, back from 2006 to 2008 when I worked there. Um, it is uh, Carly Patterson, who was on the 2004 U.S. women's gymnastics team in Athens. She won the gold medal for the all-around so I wanted to bring her on as someone who literally was in Simone Biles' shoes. Somebody knows exactly what it's like to be an Olympic gold medalist winning gymnast in the Olympics. I wanted to have her on, and I wanted her thoughts on the Simone Biles uh, controversy, whatever you want to call it. And Carly's great, and she gives a lot of good insight to this. And this is another close to an hour interview, so... Take the time to listen to this. I think you'll like it. Um, Carly Patterson, coming up right now. All right, let's bring her in. Uh, she won the gold medal in the gymnastics all around in 2004 Athens Olympics. She is a member of the U.S. Gymnastics Hall of Fame. She is now a mother of three. It is Carly Patterson. Carly, how are you? Hi, I'm doing good. <laughs> how are you? I'm very good. I got to say, without going through every single one of my Twitter followers, I'm fairly certain you are the only Olympic gold medalist that is following me on Twitter. So <laughs> thank you for right. that. Thank you for that. Uh, my question is, <laughs> why do you follow me? Are you a Bachelor fan? <laughs> I was going to say, well, I've got to get my Bachelor spoiler somewhere and updates. <laughs> okay. Okay, so because I saw it on because one of these days uh, in the past, I was looking at it and I noticed you either liked something or maybe even replied to something, and I was like, Carly Patterson, she's the Olympic gymnast, and um, <laughs> and then obviously I was like, wow, I I you know, like I said, not going through everybody. My guess is I don't have any uh, 
gold medalists that follow me. Uh, I don't even think I probably have any Olympians that follow me uh, on Twitter. So, um, well, I'm glad to be the only then. Okay. So are you, are you a huge bachelor bachelorette fan? Let's talk about that first before we dive into some other stuff. Yeah, I am. I always have been. I have watched it since season one. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. It's always been me, my mom, my sister and my aunt and her daughter. So we have this little group text and we've always, um, you know, watched it together, not, you know, in the same, in the same house, but we've all, we're always texting throughout it and, um, watching it and waiting for every season. I mean, it's, it's all of the bachelor franchise stuff. Right. So, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where actually this last season was the first one I haven't really watched, um, because just, three kids and life and um it's just a little it's a little chaotic it's a little hard to find time to actually watch any tv at the moment and so um this is the first time that i haven't been caught up and and like just been so into it so you're talking about you're talking about katie season yeah 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 i mean i wouldn't say you're missing a whole hell of a lot this season i mean it's no it's kind of look it's they all kind of run together for me i've said it for years they all just kind of seem to be yeah. the same thing it's the same format obviously with different cast right. members each season but yeah right well and i think too now with like the last couple of seasons where they've been kind of stuck in one place because of COVID, it just it's been really hard to like i don't know get get as into it for me yeah. um you know and i know that it's like probably a little bit more realistic for, for them, um, for what life's going to be like after. And, you know, they're more in one place and aren't traveling the world being, you know, totally fantasized and romantic. Um, you know, cause I was, you always laugh at that and you're like, okay, that's so not, um, you know, real, uh, and how everyday life is going to be. But at the same time, that's what kind of makes the, the show exciting and fun and to see all the cool places they get to go. So, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, for sure that the, the travel has definitely changed things. And, you know, people have complained mm-hmm. like it is a little bit boring because they're in one location. We don't get to see exotic dates. But to your point, for sure, it's that's not what dating life or even married life is like. You're never you're not always going on a first date that's in a hot air balloon. You know, let's be realistic <laughs> here. Um, right. Or a gondola ride in Venice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it makes a little more sense. Now, in terms of reality shows, um. The gymnastics world, not necessarily obviously Bachelor or Bachelorette, but the gymnastics world has done really well, mostly on Dancing with the Stars. Now, off the top of my head, I know Nastia did it. I know Lori Hernandez did it. Did Wait, did Simone Allie. Biles? Oh, Allie Raceman yeah. obviously did it. Did Simone ever do Dancing with the Stars? Am I blanking on that? Or was it, Ga- was it Gabby? I think she did. Mm. Gabby Douglas, did she do it? Maybe it was Gabby Douglas. I don't know if Gabby did it. I know Gabby just did the the masked dancer or something. Um, oh yeah, okay, that's okay. That wasn't that long ago, but I think Simone did do Dancing with the Stars. I don't remember where she placed, so I don't remember where anybody placed actually. Yes, Simone, um, Simone did do. I'm just googling it right now. She did do Dancing okay. with the Stars season 24. Did she win? No, she f- got to the end. It looks like she finished uh, oh, okay. thir- third. Um. Now, without reading over this, uh, yeah, it looks like it, she went through okay. nine weeks of stuff. But let's say Sean Johnson won season eight and was the That's runner-up right. on All-Star season. Uh, Allie Raisman made the finals of season 16. Nastia made it to the semifinals of season 20. And Lori Hernandez won season 23. So 
Okay. The gymnastics people kill it on Dancing with the Stars, yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> now, I don't know if a lot of people remember this, but you were on a reality show um, <laughs> back in the day. After you got back from the 2004 Olympics, you were on yes. a singing show. Tell everyone about that. <laughs> Yes, we had um it was this first first and only season of a show called Celebrity Duets. Yeah. And right after not right after, but shortly after winning and coming back home and seeing how my life was totally changing and I wasn't in the gym anymore training, um, which by the way, I totally didn't think was gonna happen. I had no expectations. I thought I was gonna come home still be the same Carly, still just go back into the gym and keep training, you know, for, I don't know what, but I just didn't think life was going to change too much and, uh, realized that I was, you know, not in the gym. I was flying here, there, everywhere, having all these opportunities. And I'd always loved singing and music, uh, and growing up, my dad was, uh, he would lead worship in church, sing worship in church. Um, he's always been in a band, still sings in the band to this day. And so there was always that love and like a passion for music as well, but I never had the time to do it, uh, when gymnastics, when I was doing gymnastics that took up all the time. And, um, so it kind of seemed like the perfect, (laughs) the perfect time. And then the show comes up and we're like, yeah, this would be great. Like, let's do it. And, um, so then it's like, I went from the Olympic stage to, I was terrified on this show. It was so nerve wracking to, have to go out there and sing with these, you know, celebrities and sing on, on live TV. And it kind of be the first time you getting out there, not knowing what you're doing. Um, it was really intimidating. It was super fun, but, uh, yeah. You, your pro that you sang with was Jesse McCartney, right? Yes. That was the, that was the more, you know, known one in the day. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um I mean I, I I don't I remember the title of the show. I remember it being advertised. I don't know if I ever watched it though. Maybe I did, but certainly not didn't sit there and That's watch it. That's a long the whole time season. ago. Yeah, this was 2006. <laughs> Jeez, 15 years ago that was. That's amazing yeah, to think that. So So crazy. Um I wanted to have you on cuz obviously what happened with Simone Biles in the Olympics is a is, is a major topic right now. My background is sports talk radio. I did it in LA. I did it for a couple of years here in Dallas when I did work at the Ticket from 06 to 08 and I know okay, you're a cool. r- regular listener at the Ticket and yeah. <laughs> frequent guest on The Hang Zone and Bob and Dan before that. So I'm yeah. in, I'm in my car last week. I'm driving around and I caught the tail end of you coming on. Uh, with the hang zone. So I was like, you know what? I, I want to get her on. I want to talk about this. I didn't hear exactly um, everything you said about Simone. So I wanted to talk about it because this is such a, a lightning rod for people right now to talk about like a lot of things yeah. in this country. There's like this, it's, it's a black and white, either she's the worst person ever for bailing on her team or she did the right <laughs> thing for her own mental health. So, I mean, right, just right. from an outsider perspective, I'm, I, I'm not, anti Simone for what she did. I get it. Um, but I know there are a lot of people that don't get it. So you being a former gymnast and knowing the hours and blood, sweat and tears that goes into this. And I know you don't want to speak for Simone, but your take on what happened to her, um, in Tokyo. Yeah. Well, I was just as shocked as everybody else was when, you know, got the news that morning and and saw that she was pulling out and everything. Um, and it was, it was so, so shocking to see because I would have never, 
uh, in a million years said that that would be a scenario of why, you know, Simone would not be defending her title or becoming, you know, the just the greatest Olympic, you know, gymnast of all time and bringing home all these golds this go around. Um, you know, I thought for sure she was just going to take it all home and there was going to be nothing that could ever stop her. And I think just like all of us have probably caught ourselves, you know, forgetting that, you know, a lot of people are like, she's human, she's human. And, and I think I know I've kind of forgotten that too, because I've always said, gosh, she's just a machine. She can do it all. She never messes up. She never like, like she must just go into the gym. Things just happen. And it's, it just always looks so easy for her. Right. Um, and she's got these muscles and so much power. She can do things that nobody else can do. And most men can't do. And it's just insane. Um, and so I just kind of like have always thought she was unstoppable, untouchable. And so to see that, like, Oh, wow. I, you know, she is human. That's right. Like, um, and I think too, you know, when you're, when you're looking at somebody that is at the top of their sport in the Olympics and the Olympics only comes around every four years. And even in this case, every, it was five years. And so it, my thinking, I was like, okay, this has to be really, really bad for her to have to step back um, and not compete because there's just no way that you go all that way um, that you train for five years of your life. And it's not easy training. It's, it's hard, tough training to be, you know, to want to be an Olympic champion. Right. So you don't just walk away when you get to the biggest stage, you don't just do that. So my thinking was she obviously was really dealing with some tough stuff in in order to like have to say no to her dreams. Um, And I think when you're dealing with the mental stuff, like I, I, I don't know. I mean, I definitely have had those moments of having mental, um, you know, like a little bit of like lost, getting lost in the air, which everybody's calling the twisties. I didn't even know that it had a name, but, um, for me, it just was always like, Oh man, I got lost in the air. I had no clue where I was. Um, and I remember feeling those feelings when I would be learning a new skill, like a new twisting skill or something. And you kind of, you're just trying to figure out your body awareness and your air awareness and the the air sense. And so it takes some time, um, to start getting comfortable to know when you got to turn to know when you got to open up to land and all of those things. Um, it's just crazy that something like that would happen to her at the Olympics. And it's something that you don't know how long it's going to last. So it's like, you know, you could either work it out in a couple turns or it might take, you know, a couple of days, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, or it might be something that you can, you just can never do again. Um, and so I've seen a lot of that kind of feedback as well that, you know, lots of people have had this, this issue and the mental blocks and, and, you know, getting lost in the air and not being able to do that skill ever again, or it taking a long time. And so when something like that happens at the Olympics and you don't have the time to fix it out or to fix it mentally, um, then, you know, there's just, unfortunately nothing you can do. And I know she tried to go out to an outside gym, um, in Tokyo, they, you know, open the, their doors for her to be able to have those foam pits and soft landings to try to get that air awareness back. But, you know, she just couldn't, she couldn't get it back in time. There wasn't enough time for that to um, happen. So it's just super unfortunate. Well, you brought it up. The biggest buzzword to come out of the Olympics in regards to Simone Biles is this twisties that she <laughs> suffered from. Like you said, you didn't even know it was a thing, but you know what it is now I know yeah. I'm someone that knows nothing 
about gymnastics. I turn on the Olympics every four years and I'll cheer for the U S team, but I don't know (laughs) any sort of the ins and outs of it. Um, so when you say twisties, is this something that, is it a mental block once you're in the air or as you're approaching whatever it is you're going to do and you don't even want to jump or once you are in the air, that's where it sets in where you're just like, I don't know, forget blank. I don't know what to do. Can you, I know you try to explain, how do you explain the twisties to the lay person here? Yeah. So I think it kind of happens when you're, you're going for that skill and, and then you, you're trying to do what you would normally do. Your mind and body are working together, supposed to be working together and in sync. Right. But they're, they're not. So you just, you let go of the bar. Like for example, like say a bar dismount. And I saw her trying to do these in that gym in Tokyo. Um, and she would let go and start the flip, try to start the twist. And then she would open out. So it was like, she had no clue where she was. Um, no clue when to start twisting, when to open up. Uh, for a landing and it's just like your mind is not doing what your body wants it to do like neither one are working in sync so it's like you've got your body trying to do what it you know knows how to do but your mind is not letting it so that's where the that block is totally happening um if that's if that's making sense and so like yeah i guess the best way to describe it is just you know your body is is not working in sync with your mind and and you can't get it together mentally to to make it all work. I think either you described it or maybe someone else described it as similar to a golfer having the yips. Mm-hmm. A, a guy that just stands over a two-foot putt and is shaking and, and can't consistently hit a putt or just the yips in, in baseball where the second baseman has an issue right. throwing it to first base, something along those lines mm-hmm. where it's like, you're a professional baseball player. You've played baseball your whole life. How can you not throw it to first base? Kind of the same thing. Right. Like, you it know, makes no sense. <laughs> makes no sense. How could she not do that? She's arguably, as as far as everything that I've read, she's literally the greatest U.S. gymnast we've ever had. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I, I, right. maybe it's not even up for debate. She is the greatest U.S. gymnast right. we've ever had. So that's what people yeah. are having such a hard time with, is how can the greatest of all time not do something that she basically has spent years and hours and, uh, you know, practicing like, and I guess there really is no explanation because I think if she could have done it, and I guess the biggest difference is when a golfer gets the yips, you know, he misses putts, he scores poorly, he finishes lower on the leaderboard. If a gymnast gets the quote unquote yips or the twisties, (laughs) she could fall on her head and crack her neck. I mean, we're talking serious major injury here. That's the giant difference. And that's probably why she had to pull out. Exactly. And like I said before, you know, she would not just work all those years and pull out if it wasn't serious, if she wasn't, you know, really fearing for her life. And I think something else that happens when, you know, like these golfers can get the yips for, you know, how, however long that they can last years or, or whatever. And they have to go, you have to go back to scratch, relearn your swing, relearn the, the skill, whatever it is. Um, when you do that as a gymnast, this is where a lot of mental blocks uh, start because you do that one turn, that one really scary turn, and and then it's in your head, right? So just the same thing for a golfer or a baseball player or whatever. You do it once and you're like, oh, crap. Um, and then like that's all you can think about. And it's really hard to, you know, do that ne- those next turns. And you're like, what if this happens again? It's just 
you kind of start freaking out in your head really. Um, and, and you can almost be your own worst enemy with it because, because when you're doing something like that as a gymnast, like we said, it's, it's super dangerous and it can be really scary. And that, that's where, uh, a lot of gymnasts have those mental blocks on those scary skills because they're scared something's going to happen or they're scared they're going to get lost in the air or, you know, they're just bit, whatever, you know, could happen happens. And, um, that's where you really have to either go back to the beginning and the basics, or you have, you have to control your mind. You have to control those negative thoughts. Um, and try to try to retrain your brain in a way, which is really, really hard to do. And you can't do that in a span of what you have 24 about hours. A, yeah, 24 hours <laughs> out in Tokyo yeah. in the middle of the Olympics. You can't be like, OK, got to go back to the basics. Like you said, she tried yeah. to find an outdoor gym and and go into places where she can have a soft landing and try and practice. Yeah. She couldn't do that out there. There's no time. And right. right. What is your take to this notion that. um because she's doing things that no one else in gymnastics has has done before, she's therefore judged a lot harder, and her scores were lower, and that was the reason that she decided to um, step out and use this as, like, some people are saying she really left because she didn't like the scores that she was getting. I find that ridiculous, but what are your thoughts <laughs> on that? Yeah, I mean, I I think so too. I think once again, <laughs> for for people that don't know how hard it is to train for an Olympics, um, that's what makes the Olympics so special and so unique, and so uh, that's why it brings everybody together every four years. And and even just me personally watching it, it, it always brings back those feelings for me. But I watch, you know, all of these competitors, and you see them. You see them run the race of their life or do the routine of their life or make one mistake or do one fall and, and they're out, they're done. And you just see the disappointment on their faces and, and you're like, oh, and, and it's like, well, your Olympic games is over. Like you had your one chance and you have to be perfect and everything has to be mentally ready, physically ready. And you have to peak at the right time to, to do the most perfect routine on the, the night of your the night you need to have the night of your life when it counts the most. Right. So, um, that is what is so insane and why, you know, you don't just, you don't just walk away from that to, to prove a point. Um, you know, she, she could have won with, with lower scores, uh, whatever. It doesn't matter. She has all the difficulty that she would need to, you know, still come out on top, still, you know, could have brought home all of these medals and, you know, truly cemented her, her status is like coming back and, and defending her title, you know? So I, I just, I find that really hard to believe that that would have been her motive. Like, I don't think that that's it at all. I think she would have loved to come home and, and defended her title, um, you know, and come home an Olympic champ twice time, two times over. Um, so yeah, it, that's, I think a silly, a silly uh, narrative or, or whatever that people would be saying. Yeah, I um, it seems a little bit of a reach to say something like that. Um, she did end up, like you said, we she pulled out of the team competitions, a few of the individuals, but she ended up doing one last event on what was it Tuesday? <clears throat> she mm -hmm. she participated in the balance beam. She ended up winning the bronze in the balance beam. Again, I'm not a gymnastics person at all, so I just had to read about it. 
I did see it, but I was like, well, I, was this something based on what I've read? It seemed like, and you can fill me in here. It seemed like she did a routine that was a little bit easier for her. Like she didn't do something that Simone Biles would normally do on the balance beam. Correct. Right. Right. Yeah. So when she was uh, training at this outside gym um, in Tokyo, she was training a whole new dismount. I think she used to do it maybe a long time ago, but she was, she had to kind of like learn how to do a whole new dismount in like two practices, which is crazy. So instead of doing her namesake dismount, which is a double back with a double twist in it, um, it's called the Biles and she did a double pike. So that way she didn't have to do any kind of twisting and so she wouldn't get lost in the air. So that, I think that was the only thing that she had to kind of water down quote unquote in her routine. Um, but it's, you know, once again, like proves she, she was trying to do everything to get back out there and to compete. I mean, and, and had to go as far as, you know, learning a whole new dismount in a couple practices. And, you know, I don't know if I, I don't think I could have done that um, and be, been able to go out there and confidently been like, all right, I'm going to do this. And, you know, and she goes out there and lands it. So, and still, you know, is able to, to come home with the medal and, now she's got seven Olympic medals. Yeah. I mean, I, you, you know, you talked about it earlier in your answer about the Olympics just being, like you said, every four years and you're looking at these people that work their ass off for four years and you have one misstep, you have one fall and it's like, okay, you didn't, you didn't yeah. meddle. You, you put four years into your life and you didn't even meddle. I mean, look. Absolutely heartbreaking yeah. to watch. And yeah. only, and only three people meddle, you know, I mean, in first you know, events, you can have a team event and stuff like that. But so it's, it's interesting um, to think about it. Like, obviously when you were going through this and you, as we said, um, you won the, the gold medal in the all around in the 2004 Olympics. And, you know, you're, you're in a sport and um, there are other sports, obviously in the Olympics, but this is probably the biggest one where, it is all subjective. Like no matter what you do, it's in other people's hands to determine what your score is. You can't, it's Mm -hmm. not, you know, I, and that's always been kind of fascinating to me. If you're in track, it's whatever your time is. You're not, it's not a judge saying, yeah, I thought, I think think that person, that person was the fastest, you know, basketball, whatever (laughs) it's, you, you know, you are in a subjective sport. How I wouldn't even know how that would like drive me up a wall. I'm sure there are times where you competed in some event and you thought you nailed it and somebody didn't give you the score that you want. How do you deal with yeah. that? That would drive me up a wall. I'd want to punch <laughs> yeah, a judge. Sure. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really it's really hard because that's so true. And, you know, we can be doing all of these competitions stateside where we've got our own, you know, American judges. And normally when you're doing that, you know, you're you're getting a, a little bit higher of a score. And so you know, when you're competing in the U.S. and we're doing U.S. classics or championships or trials, whatever, you're getting these these higher scores than you would, um, you know, if you're going and competing internationally or if you're at the world championships or the Olympics. And you've got all these international judges on the floor too, nitpicking you and finding any little, you know, tenth here or there to take off. And so you find that when you go to these international competitions, your scores are lower. 
and it's not what you're used to, right? So you're you're like, what what the heck? What yeah. what did they find? What did they take off for? What did I do wrong? And um, oh yeah, I I remember that. I didn't have a single U.S. judge on the floor when I was competing in the all around um in 2004, and I remember thinking like oh my gosh, like I, <laughs> I'm not going to get handed any kind of score. Like I'm going to truly have to do the best routines of my life and like claw my way um, to the top because there are going to be all these, you know, international judges, like looking for every little thing that they can take off from me. And um, yeah, that's, that's scary. Cause yeah, it's, it's not in your hands and you can do, you know, the best routine of your life, which I did like the best beam routine of my life. And, and I got a, like a good score. It was like a nine, seven, two, five or something, which was, which was great. But at the same time, I was like, where did they even find that much to take off? Uh, you know, like I thought I should have gotten <laughs> higher. Yeah. So it's hard. Yeah. Well, so I mean, like your fate is in somewhat in your hands and then somewhat in the judge's hands. I, do they not give tens out anymore? Is it impossible? I, I again, I don't follow it <laughs> no. enough. Okay, so a ten, <laughs> yeah, because I remember, you know, I was so I would have been roughly, uh, I would have been nine years old in the '84 Olympics in LA. I grew up in Southern California, so obviously the biggest thing for me growing up was the Mary Lou Retton. And didn't Mary Lou Retton just get a bunch of tens across the board, or am I just misremembering that? Did they get? <laughs> did, wasn't it easy to get a ten uh... back then, or no? Yeah, ten, I mean, tens were definitely given out way, way more back okay. then. Okay, yeah, that's um, what I thought. I was like, I remember she did that one routine. It was, I think it was the, what's the name of it, where you run? Vault. And, yeah. The vault. <laughs> Didn't she get a bunch of tens when she landed that? Steve, you truly don't know gymnastics, <laughs> no, do you? <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. I know like, I know some of the names, uh, but not all. Um, what's that thing where you run? <laughs> <laughs> you run and you bounce off the bouncy thing and then and then off that and you flip. That one. <laughs> Oh gosh! Um, so uh, didn't and yeah. my Olympics was the last Olympics to have that ten o scoring system. So um, each year, each sorry, each quad they change something, um, you know, about the scoring system and about what your routines need to have to you know get these certain scores. Um, and so yeah, mine mine ended with that last ten o scoring system. Um, and if I'm being like totally honest, I still do not have the new scoring system uh, down. Like I, I know, you know, I know a little bit, but like not. <laughs> I'd be like, what does that mean? <laughs> still. Well, if if you don't, I certainly don't. I didn't even know there was a change <laughs> to the scoring system. So there you it's go. It's definitely harder to follow for sure. I mean, when you know you're the highest score you can get is a ten, and you're like, okay, that girl got a, a nine seven or a nine eight or what it like that's that's pretty good you can tell that that's pretty good right but like when they're like oh you got a 13 5 or a 14 8 you're, you're like well, what does that mean is that good is that i think i think most you know people that don't know gymnastics are gonna say i have no clue what that means was that good or bad or what well i think one of the things that that came out of this obviously was you know that like that s- struck such a strong reaction from people was comparing Simone to, because as we said, arguably she's the greatest at this sport. So she's the goat. And some people yeah. are saying, you're the face of the sport. You don't get to tap out. You're, you're the goat. You don't get to go back out. You don't get to back out on the biggest stage. And everyone's comparing it to what if LeBron got to game seven of the NBA finals and said, mentally, I'm not there guys. I'm done. How would that yeah. even, the reaction to that would be through the roof. And 
So when you hear that <laughs> and then you compare it to Simone, that's where some people are like other, you know, the, the men wouldn't do this. There's no way Michael Jordan would have tapped out in game seven or, or LeBron, whoever you want to say is the goal. Right. Um, right. How, how do you, how do you deal with that type of criticism towards her? Yeah. Well, you know, once again, it's, it's not a matter of, you know, shooting a free throw and missing and like that being your worst thing. It's, it's, it's going for a skill, not, you know, having your, your mind working right. And, and your body working together to do these dangerously difficult skills. And then it's like one little misstep or one little, like, Ah, like I got lost. I don't know where I'm at. And you're on your head and your neck is broken or you're paralyzed or, you know, lots of bad things can happen. I mean, there have been gymnasts that have, have died um, from landing on their neck. And so it is in that, in that way, it's just really not comparable. It's it's almost apples and oranges because like you said, it's just, yeah, he yeah. Did, I and mean, like, look, I get it, where they're trying to like make it comparable, but like it's just not. And you know, look, I if if LeBron or or they did that, they would get a ton of shit for it. There's no doubt. Yeah. I mean, it's not like LeBron would be given a pass. Like, oh, okay. Um, yeah. If if he's mentally not there, it's okay. He would get crucified, and any uh, player would. But they're saying that, oh, you know she's not being uh, harshly criticized as well because she's a woman or something like that. And I just, I find that to be, I, I find that to be kind of what's well, it's misogynistic number one. Um, but it, I think she's bringing, yeah. I think she's bringing the fact that mental health has become an issue in sports over the last couple of years. It's become a lot bigger thing. We're hearing more professional athletes talk about the fact that they're not there mentally have had mental breakdowns are seeing psychologists and stuff like that. Um, Mm -hmm. obviously gymnastics has been in the news in recent years for not the greatest of reasons. And this is a sport that you love. This is a sport that you dedicated so much time and effort and blood and sweat for. Has it been difficult hearing, uh, the negativity surrounding gymnastics over all these, you know, these last few years, I got to believe it has been. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, to the last five years that it's just been one thing after another with our sport, I feel like, and it has been uh, disheartening to hear and see constant because that's, yeah, I devoted my life to gymnastics for 11 years. And, um, you know, I was able to achieve my ultimate goals and more than I could have ever dreamed. And so I'm, you know, blessed and lucky that I was able to, to do that. And also, you know, I just, I've always said that in the last five years with all of this stuff coming out, like I, I don't know how I wasn't one of the ones that, you know, got abused or was one of the, you know, people that Larry Nassar chose, like he didn't choose me for whatever reason. And, um, I feel grateful for that, you know, um, and I can't, I can't speak on, you know, the, the horrible things that he did to those to the other, to the other women, to the survivors. And it's just crazy because I worked with him for five years and I, and I just count myself lucky that I didn't have to, to go through that. And so not only, you know, I think where the mental health stuff comes in is like, not only do you have that, that kind of horrific thing um, happening, but when you train your entire life or something, you put everything into, you know, this one basket, this one goal and you achieve it. 
um, it is really, really hard. You then come back home. You're on like this highest of high roller coaster. You're getting all these opportunities. Everybody wants a piece of you. Um, you're making money. You've got fame and you're like this rock star for a little bit, but fame is fleeting and it doesn't last. And I think it can be really hard for people to transition into an everyday normal life when that's not what you're used to. I was used to from such a young age, being in the gym 24 seven, having things laid out for me, planned out for me. You know, I was told what I needed to do. I would do it. And like, that's how, that's how life worked. And so to, to then have to transition into like, Oh, I like got to think for myself. Like I've got to pay my bills. I've got to clean the house. I've got to do, well, not that I didn't clean the house, (laughs) but like there are just all these other responsibilities that I feel like you didn't quite have on yourself. And, and then, and then you lose your identity because your identity is your sport and what you're training for. And when you do that, and when you kind of have your biggest life's accomplishment, like behind you, and then the fame starts fleeting after that, like, what do you do? It's, it's kind of a dark place. And I was absolutely there as well. Um, for a little while and trying to figure out, okay, I'm 16 years old, but I've accomplished everything I I worked for. Like now what I still have my entire life ahead of me, like what is next? And it's crazy because that what's next never seems to get easier. Um, I found, and it's just, you have to redefine yourself and redefine what success looks like in your own life. And it can take time and it can be hard and you kind of have to go through those those low points and low spots. And I think that's what a, a, lot, a lot of these athletes are, are talking about and where they're coming from of just losing their identity, not knowing what they're going to do next, not knowing what they're going to be passionate about and good at um, next and kind of having that sport just define you for so long. It's really hard to break free and break out of that box. That's very well said. I mean, and this, just this narrative of the pressure got to her and that's why she basically Mm -hmm. stepped out and quote unquote blamed it on, on mental health. It's just, it's such a, it's doing a disservice to people who struggle with mental health to say that this, to just diminish it that much to say, Oh, the pressure got to her. She's, she's the greatest of all time. She felt like she wasn't going to score well. So that's why she quit. Like, come on. Yeah. Well, and when you think about it, you're going into the difference for her for the last Olympics, she was going into it. She's still like kind of getting called the, the greatest, you know, but not near the pressure that she had on herself this go around. Um, you know, coming in as the defending all around Olympic champion, trying to go in there, not only get several more skills named after her, not only trying to defend her title, not only trying to be the most, trying to get all, all these medical medicals medals to be the most decorated gymnast of all time uh, where nobody could touch her, you know, and, and everybody, everywhere you look is calling her the goat and the greatest and, and, really focusing more on her than anybody else, um, in any sport, (laughs) you know? So that's, that's a lot of pressure, uh, when you think about it and you know what, with social media these days, gosh, I would not take back that we did not have cell phones and social media and all of that to deal with because it was enough pressure, just the media alone and the newspaper and the news trying to like come to the gym and film you and do interviews. And, you know, like you knowing that you're good, you knowing that 
they are all like eyes are on you. They're rooting for you. They're counting on you to come home with the gold. Um, no matter if she wanted to try and, you know, block those things out, like she couldn't, it's everywhere. Um, you know, she would have had to completely turn off her phone, but then after that, like, you know, she wouldn't have been able to talk to media, like look at anything like, and you're at the Olympics, the Olympic rings are plastered on everything. It's kind of hard to forget that you're at the biggest competition of your life and the pressure that's on you. So, um, yeah, I mean, like in my day, there was like, I, I felt the pressure for sure, but I mean, I could go back to my room and play snake on my Nokia phone and not be on Instagram (laughs) seeing all of the, uh, the comments constantly coming in about like, Oh, she's going to win. You're the greatest. She's going to win. She's going to get the gold. Like it's a lot. Well, as we said earlier, when it comes to me, I'm a novice when it comes to this stuff. So now I'm thinking about 2024, which is only three years away now because we had COVID postpone the Olympics for a year. Mm-hmm. She's going to be 27 in 2024. Is, is she done or is this something where she, do you, maybe I'm completely out of it here. Is she coming back for 2024 or is 27, you know, way too old to be a gymnast and metal? I mean, but she's the greatest. So I don't know. Is where do you, where do you think she stands on 2024? You know, 27 is getting older in our sport for sure, but it's, it's definitely not unheard of anymore either. There are a lot more, you know, women that are staying in the sport longer and their bodies are allowing them to. And that's awesome. Um, so you know what, I think she probably doesn't even know herself yet. Uh, if I would, if I were to guess, I think she's probably going to try and process this Olympics and everything that happened and probably have to go back to the drawing board. I know she's got, you know, a tour and stuff that she's going to still have to be in the gym for and be in some sort of like physical shape to be able to do flips and twists and stuff for shows. Right. Or maybe not twists right now, but she's going to have to be doing some gymnastics. So, so it's not like she's going to be out of the gym totally uh, right now. And I don't know. I, I kind of wonder like if it were three years for me, if I would have said, you know what, that doesn't seem like too long. (laughs) I think I could maybe do that. I could try for that. Four years just seems like just, just long enough. They're like, yeah, no thanks. I'm good. Um, but three years kind of makes it like, okay. Like, you know, I, I mean, I could, I could see her trying for it. (laughs) And if, if nothing else, you know, and not doing every event, maybe being more of a specialty, a specialist on, certain things and, you know, trying to go back and and get that title, like just most decorated of all time where, you know, nobody can touch her and she's not tied with, with that record, you know? Well, the narrative, it'll be interesting to see. Cause then you're like, you know, she's, she's got a life outside of gymnastics too. It seems like, and you know, she might just be ready to move on and like be normal. (laughs) I mean, the narrative would be unbelievable if she came back in 2024 and, accomplished everything that people thought she was going to accomplish in this Olympics, you know, after, after having the twisties and having to, uh, to bail out on a lot of the events and then coming back three years later and nailing all of them and getting medals. I I think it would be an unbelievable. It's all, she's already, like you said, is already one of the most decorated, if not the most decorated U S gymnast ever. It would be the icing on the cake basically. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I wanted to ask you because when you finished in Oh four, you know, uh, the, the gold medalist in the all around, you were 16 years old. And from what I read, you had a lot of back issues and you basically were forced to retire in 06. 
were you mm-hmm. were you set to were you thinking of coming back in 08 and competing and your back issues are what prevented you to or were you when you left 04 like you said you got back were you not thinking about 08 yet yeah i wasn't really thinking about 08 yet um you know i thought i was going to go back to the gym and just continue to train but i wasn't thinking four years from from then and when I started just having more and more back issues, more and more pain. Um, and my doctor was basically like, I mean, Carly, if you're okay with retiring, like that's what I would suggest you do. So you can, you know, count that you're going to have a better quality of life later on in life. Um, you know, versus just continuing to kind of beat something down that is already giving you trouble and making it worse and worse. And that was kind of all I needed to hear because I think, I think at that point I probably just needed someone, someone to let me know that it was okay to, to be done. Um, because once again, it was like, well, what else am I going to do? This is what I'm good at. This is what I know. This is my identity. Um, you know, but at the same time it was like, oh yeah, like I'm 16. There's, I have a whole life ahead of me. Um, you know, maybe he's got something to it. And I think too, that made me just think, you know what? I don't, I don't know what I would have trained for. I would, I don't know where I would have gotten the motivation because at that point I had achieved more and than I could have ever dreamed. Um, and so it was like, well, you know, I'm a national champion. I'm a visa cup champion. I'm a world champion. I'm Olympic champion. I, I don't know what else I trained for. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll, you know what? I'll be done and I'll pursue singing. <laughs> I'll go up to a Grammy because how hard could that be? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you, your back is pretty much what forced you out. If it did, let's just say you had no back issues. At what point would you have to have made a commitment in your brain or even to the team of this is what I'm going for in 08? Could you have done it and, and given yourself two years? Did you need three, the whole four, like how, as a gymnast, how much time do you need to prepare for the Olympics? Like how much time can you take off once you got back yeah. from 04 before you can um, say like, okay, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on this. I want to be in 08. Yeah. I think you could safely say a year for sure. And I mean, okay. I would have needed that because I was on the road and going nonstop and I was not, I was hardly in the gym. Um, and so yeah, I, I probably would have had to, you know, li- live it up for a little bit for that year, take all the opportunities I could, but then probably have to start buckling back down and getting into the gym and, and getting serious, um, you know, because I would have probably needed to start doing some upgrades and learning some different things to, you know, continue to be competitive on certain areas. So um, you definitely need, you need all the all the time you can get to prepare and to train and to be ready for something like the Olympics. And, you know, once again, like we talked about, when it only comes around every four years, it's, you know, you you got to be ready. You've got to be ready to go when it counts the most on the night. It counts the most. Yeah, that's got to be. And, you know, Simone loses a year because, as we know, you know, there's only three years until the next Olympics. So if we're thinking of the same timeline she almost needs to decide a lot quicker than you would have had to if she wants to go after it in 2024. But like we said, we just... Well, we and I think her. she's Simone too, so... She, she, she could actually take a little more could, time off. I think so. I think she could probably come back within a year or something if she wanted to. If she truly wanted to, I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. <laughs> um, so let everybody know, um, you know, since 
the back issues came up, and since you were forced to retire, I, I mentioned at the very top of the podcast, you are now a mother of three, but tell everybody what you've been up to in the last <laughs> 15, you know, 15 years since uh, you've had to retire from the sport. Yeah, well, gosh, catch you up on 15 years, yeah. that's a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, tried the singing career, realized that that was not for me, but that was fun. <laughs> um, it was fun while I did it, and uh, I'm glad I did it too, but um, yeah, I have been married for gosh, almost nine years now and we have three kids and they are, Graham is uh, going to be four in October and Emmeline is almost two and a half and Pearson is five and a half months. And so we have really been in the thick of, um, the thick of babies and toddler land and baby land. And oh my gosh, it's, it's exhausting, but <laughs> it's, it's the best kind of exhausting and it's, and it's the best job. Um, you know, for sure it's the best and the hardest job I get to basically stay at home with the kids, uh, you know, for the most part, but I, I do work. I am a motivational speaker and, um, so I've got, you know, speaking engagements on the calendar for the rest of the year, um, which I'm excited about because that gives me something to do outside of being a mom and kind of gives me a, a different purpose outside of the house. And um, and I get to share my story and and life lessons that I that I've learned in hopes of, you know, inspiring and helping other people um, with with my story and things that I've learned. So that is, you know, basically what I do. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's, I, I love it. Life okay. is good. Well, that's, I mean, that's great to hear that you're doing motivational speaking. Or do you keep involved in anything uh, gymnastics related? Do you do any sort of coaching? Cause I know, isn't there a big, isn't Nastia's gym in Plano or something like that? I know you're based out of McKinney and, um, yeah, yeah. Woga. Woga is in, there's a location in Plano and in Frisco. And um, I, you know, I've, I've worked with USA Gymnastics for the last 15 years, but ever since just promoting the sport, being involved, mm. um, you know, being at our events and stuff like that. But since, since everything started falling apart, yeah. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't worked with them a whole lot in the last um, few years. So I uh, definitely, you know, missed that feeling like I'm not, you know, as involved, but you know, I'll, I'll coach at some summer camps, um, here and there, but it's, it's really hard with having a full blown family at this stage. I used to coach all summer long when I wasn't married and I didn't have kids and I could just be on the go and, and blowing all the time and, and coaching and all that. And it was fun, but, um, I'm actually leaving on uh Sunday for a whole week for a camp in Utah. And that's, that's going to be the only one that I'm doing. Um, so my husband's going to have to Oof, he's going to have a his job, his work cut out for him <laughs> while I'm gone. <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to say, but I mean, so you it's you've dialed it way back in terms of your um, helping in Gymnastics. terms of coaching and stuff. Just in makes sense because you got three kids all under five. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, if I wanted to you know, coaching gymnastics, I, I loved getting to do that uh, during the summer at like little gymnastics camps and just kind of being you know, this fun, um, helpful type coach where like, I'm, I don't have any pressure on me to, to win anything or to get the, to get these girls to a certain level or the Olympics, you know, it's just fun, right. For all of us. Um, but coaching like to, to be a serious gymnastics coach, that's just never been my passion and something that I 
felt like I, I wanted to do or felt pulled to do. I loved doing the sport and being a gymnast, but coaching was never, you know, my thing. And some people just have that gift. Some people, you know, are great gymnasts and then also just love coaching and are great coaches. Um, and I just kind of never felt that, you know. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. I mean, it doesn't mean you have to go into coaching it once you're once you're done with it. But um, yeah, Carly, thank you so much uh, for coming on and providing this perspective from somebody who's been in Simone's shoes. And it's just really tough listening to some of the talking heads out there that are so easy uh, to jump down her throat and call her a quitter and say, "How can she do this?" When there's way more that goes into it than just oh, she's depressed or, oh, she felt she wasn't going to get the good scores and that's why she left. And it's just, it's a, there's so yeah. much more to that, but I, I, right. I liked well, hearing it. Well, hopefully I shed some good light on it. <laughs> yeah, I liked hearing it from somebody who's actually done it themselves as opposed to a talking head that has probably never done anything athletic their whole life. You know, so <laughs> it's good to know. Right. Um, so, yeah, Carly, good. thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Good luck with everything and uh, continue uh, to watch The Bachelor and Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise coming up in uh, next, you know, coming up soon. So okay, yes, <laughs> I will. I will need to jump back on board for that for sure, yeah. and I'll follow along with you. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Thanks a lot, Carly. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Bye. Thank you so much to Carly and Susanna before her. They were both great. Um, I hope you really learned something from both of them. Uh, definitely with Susanna and knowing the information that she gives out on her Instagram account. It's really unbelievable when you think about it, uh, the amount of work that she puts in and the data that she's been able to provide for the last couple seasons. And then also thank you again to Carly uh, for giving that insight. And I just, it really just kind of turned my stomach and it was just so insulting to hear, you know, Joe Schmo on the couch, tell Simone Biles that she quit on her country. Like seriously, dude, shut up. It's just garbage. And I'm glad that somebody and, and if I were to just come on here and say it's garbage and you're an idiot, it's like, great, Steve. What, what do you know about it? Gymnastics? Well, pretty much next to nothing. If you just heard that podcast, I just know like literally the bare minimum basics. And, and even that I struggle with sometimes. But that's why I wanted to have on an actual gold medal winning Olympic gymnast. And Carly was great. I hope you all uh, enjoyed that. So thank you all for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple Podcasts. Much appreciated. So for Susanna Summers and Carly Patterson, I'm Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. And we will talk to you next week. <laughs>